I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma, So Good, a Fruits Basket podcast. Here we discuss the reboot of the Fruits Basket anime. Uh, this season of our podcast, I guess. We're talking about the first season of Fruits Basket. Are there seasons of our podcast, Sophie? <laughs> um, technically, anyway. yes. <laughs> technically, yes. Uh, we try and keep it spoiler-free for things that haven't yet been adapted to the anime, but anything that's already been adapted in either the first or the second season of an anime, we won't be tagging for spoilers. But we are both manga readers, so if we slip up and give spoilers for the, from the manga, those will, timestamps will be down in the episode description, as well as content warnings. Without further ado, let's get into episode three of season one. Uh, it's... It's a, it's a pretty, it's pretty, it's a good time. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a, in my humble onion, the humblest of the <laughs> alliums. Um, <laughs> and there will be discussion of alliums this yes. episode. Um, <laughs> there's lots of allium discourse. Uh, <laughs> in my humblest onion... The most humble allium. I think this episode isn't as good as the first two. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with you. I think there's kind of a bit of pacing issues, but I think that might just be Takaya herself mm. and not necessarily the adaptation's fault. It's also just like, sometimes I forget that the writing style kind of changes. Uh, in Fruits Basket from kind of a... Like I mentioned this earlier where I feel like Fruits Basket, I guess, tries to maybe age with its audience is my only... You know how, like, Harry Potter kind of got darker as more books came out? And I don't exactly... Off the top of my head, I don't know how many years were passing in between things and whether she was expecting her audience to kind of grow up from, like, 13-year-olds or whatever to, like, 16 or 17-year-olds who can handle more mature subjects, which is, like, totally possible. Um, but also it's, like, the writing style of the first season especially the early episodes is very much i feel like it's geared towards younger readers where things are a lot more straightforward they kind of spell everything out for you it's like you'll see an interaction and then instead of like just being allowed to draw your own conclusions from that you then have toru walk away and in her monologue being like this is what happened Kyuki is upset because of this, and Kyo is upset because of this, and there's a misunderstanding. Instead of just, like, watching the misunderstanding and being like, there's a misunderstanding to yourself. So I feel like, which I feel like probably still happens a bit, but I notice it a lot more in these earlier episodes than I do in, say, like, season two. Yeah, I, I have a feeling it might have something to do with how the manga was published, um, just because I believe it was published... I think every month in a shoujo publication. Um, and so I just wonder like, yeah, like if it's trying to appeal to a certain audience and trying to be like universally like relatable and understandable in the beginning to draw an audience in before she could go into like the like real meat and depth of um, Fruits Basket. Yeah. Cause eventually she gets off her shits and they just kind of let her do whatever. Right. Um, because it totally blew up. Like, I, th I, from what I remember about reading, it was instantly popular. Yeah. Hence why it got a show, like, one second into its publication <laughs> in, like, <sighs> in 2000. Yeah. 
I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I'm glad that the writing style shifts mm. a little bit, um, just because while this was good and fun for me when I watched it as like an 11 or 12 year old, some of the early episodes and episodes like this, even though it's like I'm intensely nostalgic for them, and like I do like the little rice plum, rice plum, like the plum on the back anecdote is something that like I remember is like one of the things that stuck in my head about Fruits Basket that like uh, I thought it, it's it's a sweet, it's a nice message and I still like it even though it's like very, the, the writing style of the early thing is like kind of clunky and kind of heavy handed. It's still like, it's still touching and I think the message is still good. Um, so yeah. Yeah, agreed. This this episode also, um, this is along the same vein, it just commits a lot of shoujo crimes. And I don't, <laughs> I, I just like, I don't love shoujo. Um, shoujo? I don't watch shoujo. In my shoujo? I know, shoujo my shoujo. Like, the only other shoujo I've really, truly enjoyed was Sailor Moon. And Sailor Moon? Oh, I guess Oran is a shoujo. <laughs> yeah. Which, sure, Oran is like... What are talking about? Oran is like Oran is satire. But though. I was about to say like Oran is satirical. Yeah. Um, Sailor Moon is like a straight up shojo, but Sailor Moon also gets fairly dark. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, it just has a lot of like shojo monologuing, shojo analogies, and I'm like, I it 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 is like I think intended for a younger audience, whereas like when you look at stuff from season two, it it's not appropriate for the same audience that the beginning of Fruits Basket is. And that's why I think, like, like, like we both got into Fruits Basket as kids because I think, like, the introductory arc of Fruits Basket is appropriate for young middle schoolers. But after that yeah. is when it starts to stray away from um, what yeah. is appropriate for, like, a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. Not that Fruits Basket ever gets, like, super explicit or super violent, and not that kids can't handle darker subject matter exactly. Right. It's just like I think that like tonally, it's written for just like a slightly higher reading level. Um, so, versus yeah, the thing where it's like even though I do, it, the we still have complaints about things we think that are spelled out a little too heavily in season two. We were like, that shot didn't need to happen. <laughs> but a lot, I feel like a lot of the stuff in season two that I felt was, like, too heavy-handed or spelled out was not Takaya's fault. Yeah, was, was yeah, adaptational yeah. issues and less Takaya's writing. Well, I think in the original thing, like, a lot of the heavy-handedness comes from just, like, the actual source material itself. Yeah. One last thing before we start talking about the episode that I just wanted to talk about, like, just, like, what is appropriate, whatever, is it's, yeah. it's also, like, it, it comes down to, like, what you're able to not even on a reading comprehension level but just on like an emotional intelligence level what you are able to comprehend um yeah. and like when after the introductory arc of fruits basket like i know that i did not understand quite a lot of what was going on and it was just because i was 10 and i didn't understand like <laughs> what like yuki's character arc i didn't understand like shigure and akito's motivations like those kinds of things like it's just not something that you <laughs> you're able to comprehend because you can't no. process that kind of thing intelligently as a child. Yeah, I mean, when I watched, yeah, watch, but I also read it as a kid. Mm -hmm. When I read the manga, it's like a middle schooler, I thought the student council shit was so boring. Me too. I was too. like, can these guys leave? Where's Kyo? <laughs> Where is Kyo? Um, 
that every 10 year old is like where the fuck is keo <laughs> yeah who's i don't who's give a shit about this guy boy. um kakaru why <laughs> um yeah no i definitely agree we're like as a child there's a lot of stuff in the later part of fruits basket that i either just like didn't understand or um didn't care about stuff that flew over my head uh yeah but yeah shall we get into the episode (laughs) my first note is uo's bloody steel pipe (laughs) queen my note about that was like uh there is, they do not have a metal detector in their high school. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Japan, of course not. And she just pulled it out of nowhere. She has, that's why she wears that long ass skirt. She's got it like, <laughs> strapped to her thigh. Oh um, my god. <laughs> she's packing <sighs> under that skirt, man. Yeah. No, I love, I love Hana and Uo so much. I feel like I didn't realize how much foreshadowing there was that like Hana might like try and figure out what's going on. <laughs> She never does. She never does. Or, or or in my version of Fruits Basket, she actually does know about the curse, but she just never mentions it. Just doesn't care. She's like, it seems like it'd stress them out if I told them I knew. That's why when um, she does touch Kyo, she stays like, she doesn't actually get that close to him. It's because she knows. Yeah. Um, oh, I also, I like Yuki's little flower that he drew on I the know. chalkboard. I noticed it the first time that, that he drew the flower. It's so cute. Yeah. What a sweet boy. I know. How nice. Yuki would bullet journal. Yeah, he would. He would have, like, a study blur and, like, post aesthetic pictures of his stationery. But on the Uh, other hand, Yuki is a garbage hot mess of a child man. Um, Okay. So, like, would he be that organized? As a nightmare 16-year-old, I had a beautiful bullet journal (laughs) and, like, a hideously messy room. Oh, okay, okay. The dichotomy. Um, it's the ADHD, where I was like, ooh, pretty colors, I can color code this, and, like, my laundry was all over the floor. <laughs> so, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry for doubting can him. make it happen. And his bullet journal. <laughs> <laughs> Yuki's got a beautiful bullet journal. Uh, and everyone, all the girls want a piece of that? I don't know where I was going with that. All the girls want a piece of that bullet journal. Yeah. All the girls want a piece of his pencil case. <laughs> Nothing gets me going. Like a color-coded. Or, a, like, a pencil case that's organized by color. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, this is what happens when we talk about the early episodes. Yeah. Kitties. Kitties. Oh, yeah, we oh, get Kion Kion? Yeah. Um, I love that Kyo is, like... My note is, for a guy with so many issues, Kyo is insanely confident about his onigiri idea. (laughs) Because it's a bad idea, and he is, like, saying it with his full chest. (laughs) I, what, actually, no, my favorite part about this was he gets up and he says his, like, whack shit idea, right? And then everyone is like, no. And then he's like, guys, I was trying to participate. <laughs> like, which it, I thought like, was so, it, this was like. Implying that that he wasn't participating and they were like, Kyo, participate. And this is what he gave yeah. them. And this is like, part of me is like, okay, Shigure told me to practice being a person. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> and, and that's what like, he comes guys, up with. I'm, 
trying to be participatory. I'm raising my hand in class. And they're like, this is not what we fucking meant, you idiot. Um, so, like, everyone likes Yuki's idea that sane <laughs> doesn't involve weapons. I love the cats that just manifest out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That is, like, okay, speaking of, like, shoujo Spontaneous crimes, generation. Yeah, like, it's not a crime, necessarily. It's actually cute that the cats just, like, manifest. I wish it happened more often, to be frank. Uh, yes. I think it would be whimsical, and I think that it should also happen to Yuki. That's just my yeah. opinion. <laughs> because Kyo, not to, like, skipping forward, like, a little tiny bit, um, Kyo says that rats follow him around later. Where are they? <laughs> Where are the rats? They live in There's a huge rats city. Until- I mean, he yeah. got all those rats. Did the rats, like, all die in the great, like, excavation of Tori's shit? Oh my Is God, this the why ma- there's no rats in the rest of Fruit's Basket <laughs> as he sacrifices all of the t- rats of Tokyo? <laughs> it's like, dig! <laughs> oh my God, he worked them to death. <laughs> they all die in the mines. <laughs> <laughs> Fleshing out Yuki's character here. He has a bullet turtle and he's a rat slave driver. <laughs> he abuses his power. <laughs> I've turned bright red. Yeah, you, you're like the same color as your sweater. Yeah. I'm writing, wearing a lot of red right now for good luck because of American politics, which are terrible. <laughs> anyway. Um. So now that we know that about you. Okay. He's, he's, he's complex. He's got layers. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> okay, so the cat's like... Yeah, they spontaneously uh, manifest on Kyo, and then he, like, stands up, and they, like, fall off of him, <laughs> and then they attach themselves back uh, when he runs out of the room. So, that is a great sequence. Thank you for that anime. Um, really good. Kion Kion. I like that it's, it's, it's an essential introduction in Fruits Basket. That's true. <laughs> Those two uh, guys that call Kyo Kion Kion. So he, like, very confidently presents his idea, and, like, we see a shot of Yuki, like, implying that, like, he's jealous that he already has this, like, very easy rapport with his classmates, even though, like, he hasn't been in their class for very long. Um, And, like, it really shows, like, how, like, deep his social anxiety runs, because, like, his classmates clearly, like, like and respect Yuki very much. Um... But he just can't see that, and all he sees is Kyo having an easy time adjusting to school. Yeah. Even though Yuki's idea it... was the one that was instantly um, accepted. Yeah, and Kyo is, like, not having that easy of a time. No, he's not. <laughs> he's like, definitely overestimating. jumps out the window, running up onto the roof. He's stressed out, like... But Yuki... Anytime Kyo, Kyo seems kind of stressed and upset, Yuki is like, that's normal, and I'm not going to process that information. And then anytime Kyo is like, seems like he's kind of chilling and having a decent time, Yuki is like, look at him. Look how he can m- mingle amongst the common folk. I will never know connection like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
he has tunnel vision. Um, yes, he does. But cats are cute. Yeah. I think it's fun that Keo goes on roofs. It is. It's, it's a good character trait. I like. I really like that Kyo, that Toru calls the cat Neko-san. <laughs> I like that she's like, "Hello, Mister Cat, so Sir, <laughs> Sir." Um, oh yeah, but then on the inverse, like Kyo, so like they're on the roof. Um, Kyo is jealous that Yuki is a natural leader, and well liked. When Kyo, I don't know if I'd say Kyo is like a natural leader, but like people listen to him when he talks. Like he has a presence. Um, and his classmates like him. So, like, they yeah. both have, like, a very, like... And that's, like, the whole function of this episode, right? Is that they're setting up that they both have tunnel vision when it comes to one another. Mm-hmm. They... He would never understand what my suffering... He... Look at him. Look at how people adore him. I'll never be like that. It's like, you are... Think. Think. Broaden your perspective. <laughs> Open your eyes. Maybe try talking to each other once. Maybe. Um, maybe. But <laughs> Tor's vision. Um, and I, I do think it was funny in the little bit where uh, um, Tor is like, let's play this game. And Kyo's like, I don't want to play game. I'm awkward. Uh, and Uo has like already, she's been in whatever, gone to school with this kid for like a week, a couple days, unclear. Uh, but she's like, I know exactly how to manipulate this motherfucker. I have a read on him. And proceeds to do it, and it instantly works. <laughs> yeah, she, like, I think she gets his number, like, pretty much immediately upon meeting on him. On site. Yeah, on site. <laughs> and I love them. Because they're, they're like, similar. She's like, I know what that is. But, like, the two of them just growling at each other. Like, I think Toru is <laughs> saying something over it, and they're both just like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that must have been fun to record. Just like yeah. they were like, okay, we need you to make fighting noises. <laughs> yeah. So then we have Yuki rejecting this girl. Which I like I had some thoughts about the um the lighting design specifically. Because I liked it, but I also felt like I could have liked it better. <laughs> <laughs> Because I like, so, like, the, the scene, like, starts off with a shot of them from very far away in front of a window, and and they're, like, being backlit by the window, uh, which I really like because it felt very, like, impersonal, um, mm-hmm. which I think is, like, what Yuki feels like to a lot of the people in his school. And I also like, um, and it's basically just, like, that shot, a shot of the two of them. And then after she runs, um, it's a shot of Yuki from far away from a different angle where he's being lit from the side um, by the window, which, like, again, like, oh, and you can't see his face, which I like because I think, like, in that he works very hard to repress his emotions and um, it makes him feel very isolated. Um, and And I like the lighting design, like, I like that the light is, like, diffused through the curtains of the window. But I felt like it would have been really easy to make it, like, more dynamic and that, like, it could have been, like, way starker and, like, more interesting because there were so many, like, different layers of, like, depth to that image because there was, like, the shelves of the, like, the bookshelves and, like, the, like, dark nooks and crannies of those and the light reflecting off of the floor 
and like the bookshelf behind him like if they had just like leaned into like being more dynamic and like and and using their light source a little more i feel like the lighting design could have been way more interesting but they kind of just like stopped at the bare minimum where they needed to go for it to be dramatic they're just not like utilizing like everything in their tool belt no i'm inclined to agree uh it's i'm kind of i think i'm a little desensitized to it where i'm like yeah i have some whatever thoughts on there's some shots in this episode i really liked me too and then otherwise it's just yeah standard well it's it's odd because like well i'll talk about it when we get to the scene but like there was a scene where i thought the lighting design was really good and did exactly what i wanted them to do in the in that scene that i was just talking about where they like lean Mm. into the different like textures and the not the drama but like there's the different textures and the different like um uh like they like were utilizing like the space and the lighting within the space in a way that i liked more um but we'll talk about it when we get there all right let's stay chronological Um, (laughs) do i have anything particular to say about like the yuki girl scene that's about i mean it's like very it's it's just that scene is to sort of establish how Yuki is perceived by people and especially how he thinks he's perceived. Because I don't necessarily think the way this girl feels about Yuki in the moment right after she re- is rejected by him is necessarily, like, the common held opinion of mm-hmm. him. I think it's, like, she's hurt um, and so she's kind of flashing out a little bit. But that, I think, is definitely how he sees himself, which is, like, he thinks he's detached and personal, like, and she's like, no, you're too good for anyone. And he thinks that that's what people think about him. They're like, oh, they must think I'm, like, so stuck up. And, like, obviously that's, he's 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 just shy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think that's what that scene does. Yeah. Which... I mean, I also think that scene kind of serves to show that, like, Yuki is subconsciously keeping himself at a distance from people. We know this because he says it, like, immediately after this scene. And it makes him... Re- <laughs> it What she says to him makes him realize that he is doing that because he's afraid of other people as yeah. well. So, like, it's establishing that, like, he is like, oh, I am... The reason that I feel so isolated is because I am isolating myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a functional little scene with an unnamed character. I have no gripes with it. Yeah. Uh, No, it's a good scene. I like it. And then he walks over to stare in the door. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Actually, what happens first is, um, so that, like, so the scene ends and it actually cuts back into the classroom. So he hasn't approached the door yet. So, like, it goes from this scene where, like, he's getting called out for, like, isolating himself to Kyo very easily um, integrating himself into this group of people. Yeah. And then he walks up to the door. Yeah, Yuka rocks up to the door, stands outside, and, like, they, they don't, you know, you don't get an inner monologue that's like, I want to go in, but I'm afraid, so I'm gonna walk away. But you can, that's what he's doing. Um... And not that I would put it past Fruits Basket to put that kind of thing in, but um, 
Well, there actually, I made a note that there is a voiceover, but it's not from him. And I really didn't like it. And it's exactly what the girl said to him literally 10 seconds ago. Nah. It's like he looks at th- he looks through the door and then it cuts to his hand and then he pulls his hand away. Which, on its own, if they had just had is that, would have been really good. And like we, as the audience, would have understood that 10 seconds ago he realized this about himself and then he's doing it again. I We did not need the voice actor or the voiceover from the girl from the line from like 10 seconds ago. Like it's very... That's like... That is an Ibata thing, I think. Not Takaya. Oh. Well... My brain edited it through memory into a better scene. Thanks, Green, I guess. Wish it was um, true. Yeah. I do like this door, though. I think this is a very, like, this kind of moment characterizes kind of his early social anxiety in the story really well. Um, it's, a, it's an example I reach for pretty easily if I'm talking about Yuki's character arc and where he's at early in the story um because i think it characterizes him very well and i like i like the the door the doors whatever we love the doors uh, we love the hands and it's got both. doors and hands that's what it's all about gay people <laughs> um, <laughs> i think there's the, the first shot with the door there's a second shot with the door later mm-hmm. um that i really like i just i liked his face framed in the little window i thought that was yeah really good I agree. I, I it's like I really like that shot of Yuki's face through the window as well. It's like I want more little stylized shots like that. Mm-hmm. They're tasty. Yeah. Yeah, cuz the second time it happens, I made a note of it. The second time it happens, the first time it happens like we are actually looking at him through the door, like and it's the door. The second time it happens, yeah. it's all black and it's just the door, the window with his face in it. And it, it, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's really effective. I thought and that it's was very really nice. Takaya. Like it, it really channels yeah. like her style. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, she does a lot with negative space to create a feeling of like isolation and distance and like a certain headiness. Like I mm. feel like a lot of her characters are kind of out of touch with like they're they're not very like mindful of their of reality. They kind of live in the past, live in their own heads, live in the future. And so they're not super connected, I think, with their physical surroundings in most situations. And so I think her style of, like, minimal backgrounds in a lot of instances helps kind of lean into that. And I think doing little things like that where you imply the physical location something is taking place in, like with this little window, but you then stylize it so you only have key elements. That way you feel a lot more in the character's head. Works really well. I wish we had more stuff like this. Yeah. And then it's, and then Kyo loses the card game and he has to clean the classroom. So that's the next scene. Yeah. And Yuki uses Kyo as his own personal punching bag. He really does this so much in Early Fruits Basket. Like, I forget yeah. how, like, Yuki is just like, I'm in a bad mood. I'm going to take it out by, like, assaulting Kyo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is, not to bring up the OG, but I'm about to bring up the OG. In the beginning of Fruits Basket, Yuki is very angry. Um, but the way that either show goes about it, because the reboot is extremely faithful to the manga, like I kind of am talking about them interchangeably in this case, Yuki's anger is a lot more subtle, but he is still extremely angry. Whereas like in the OG, he blows up on Kyo constantly in a, in a way that is like, 
very overtly angry versus like in this scene he's really holding it in very much until the very last moment and then even when he does attack Kyo physically like he's silent and then I did make a note of Shimazaki's delivery of the line. He says, watching you makes my blood boil. And even then, you can tell, like, he is extremely mad. But you can tell that he is holding back a lot of emotion before leaving the classroom in a very calm manner. Um, yep. It's it's very well adapted, like, in that respect. And when he, yeah, when he attacks Kyo, if he's really pissed, a lot of the times it's like he's not... Kyo goes and he fights and he, like kind of wants to get into it with people uh but yuki is just like i want to hurt him swiftly and effectively (laughs) jesus um and yeah and it's like i and i do like how kyo is like oh god he must like act be upset because he's usually not this harsh yeah like and I, i actually i like that kyo knows that kind of thing i like that it's like it characterizes their relationship to each other kind of super well, where it's like they fucking hate each other's guts, but they also know each other well enough to read each other's moods through their fucking violent outbursts. Yeah. It happens a couple of times where Keo comments and is like, oh, he seems really, he seems like he's in a bad mood today. Where like they know each other better than they're willing to admit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, this was the other scene I was talking about where I liked the lighting design a lot. So there were these two, like, matching shots. And one of them is is when Yuki is saying, watching you makes my blood boil. Um, he It's this, like, shot of him from behind. And the camera's, like, angled from, like, below. And his shoulders are hunched. Um, and the lighting is, like... Like, it is, like, the lighting is coming in through the window. that is, And it's, like, uh, hitting the wall in front of him. Um, and they're, like, using, like, depth and texture in a way that I really liked. And then there's a matching shot where Kyo is commenting on, um, he, like, gets up off the floor and he's commenting on that Yuki is in a bad mood and he's, uh, and it's, the camera's at a, a less aggressive angle, like, it's just straight on. And the window is in front of him, so Kyo is being lit by the window instead of in shadow like Yuki was. Um, and his shoulders are relaxed, and he's actually, like, telling Toru how he's feeling. It's a nice, like, visual and, like, scripted, uh, like, uh, uh, what am I, what is the word I'm trying to say? Contrast? Thank you, contrast. Um, so I liked that. That is good. I didn't make any notes. I don't think I caught on, but. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess I just had a lot to say about the lighting design in this episode. (laughs) I trust your takes. I think when I'm noticing visual things, I tend to look more... I mean, it's like it comes from my own sort of artistic background, uh, which I haven't taken art classes since high school, but I did for many years, I guess, uh, where I look at things more like, I don't know, composition and uh, like characters' facial expressions and their uh, body language more than I think about lighting but lighting is important mm-hmm. uh, i think you think about lighting so much because you're a stage manager <laughs> yeah it, but it'd, be, it's it'd also, be the theater degree it'd be the theater degree um but lighting is important even when you're like painting and shit you do need mm-hmm. to pick like a lighting point and stuff which sometimes mm-hmm. i'm lazy about and, and then it makes things look worse when i'm lazy yeah. about it so you shouldn't <laughs> be lazy about it um, I wanted to say one more thing about this scene just because I thought it was funny and I thought it like really like 
chalks up exactly what like early Yuki Kyo like f- argument dynamics are and the line and it's just that like Kyo is constantly making threats and then Yuki just completely dismisses them out of hand and it just makes Kyo so angry and the line that I wrote down as the example was Kyo saying I'm gonna make that ugly face of yours cry uncle at one day to which Yuki responds uncle <laughs> <laughs> it's very oh. funny it, it's like he's he just like it's the very much yuki being like i'm too good to even talk to you and Kyo just getting so riled up over it it's the superiority slash inferiority complex for me they're they're a mess but i do love them <laughs> then we get into like Toru's at her workplace and she's basically just like internal monologuing explaining what just happened to us <laughs> Uh, it's like wow they both envy each or whatever Tori's explaining Uh, the plot (laughs) yeah Tori's like it's time to explain the plot to the audience of middle school heiress yeah Tori's very much like Toru is the audience surrogate the whole time but she is like super the audience surrogate in season one it's because she really doesn't get that all that much characterization until after season one she has her moments, and I think you can, like, you can glean characterization from her, but it's, like, season one isn't about Toru. It ain't about her. No one, no. <laughs> uh, I think, I I think it probably could have benefited from making, giving Toru a little bit more, like, internal motivation and, like, just, yeah, having a more of a rich internal life in mm-hmm. general probably would have made a better story, but it's, like, fine. It's, yeah. it's fine, whatever. Uh, she gets more stuff later it's not perfect but it's not my it's low on my list of complaints about fruits basket i guess there's other things that have them fixed first and it was certainly a choice to to have your main characters um big defining character arc happen last i'll say that yeah (laughs) it is not necessarily a bad one not no it's Um, not necessarily a bad one but it was certainly a choice it's certainly a choice Um, (laughs) and i think it like makes sense for toru in certain ways where she's like absolutely probably the most repressed of the three of them so Mm -hmm. uh takes her the longest to get in her little head uh yeah and then momiji rocks up in (laughs) the best i i honestly think this is my favorite momiji fit like he was a lot of he wears a lot of outfits in Fruits Basket. Some of them spectacular. Some of them very bad. But he's that's what happened. Like if you have an experimental fashion t- like sense, like sometimes you like really hit it out of the park, and sometimes you miss because you're the one who's willing to take risks. Like Momiji will take that risk when other people won't. Momiji's gonna have like he'll always have worse and better fashion moments than me. He's not real, but like this is still true. Um, then again, I've taken some fashion risks too, so maybe I should give myself more credit. But yeah. I guess current Amelia doesn't take these f- same fashion risks. Well, I'm wearing a poncho a lot recently, so maybe I'm. I don't know. It's the, it's <laughs> I the have poncho. A new hat. It's the Amelia poncho top hat dichotomy for me. Yeah. Anyway, enough about me. Uh, I love this fit. I love his little, like, bitchy glasses. I feel like those glasses would be, like, I'd see those on, like, an Instagram influencer now, and I'm like, look at Momiji ahead of the game. Um, Momiji would be very successful on TikTok in 2020. Oh, he would be so successful. 
Momiji would have such a popular TikTok. Yeah. Especially, like, and he would have, like, rabbits with him, because rabbits would be chill with him, so he'd just, like, it would, he's got everything he needs to be to be, like, TikTok viral. Yeah. Um, Momiji elicits the most horrifying laugh in all of anime in this scene. <laughs> you, Truly he, terrifying. He releases. Elicits is, like, the wrong, anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you had an English degree. You. <laughs> would be like he, he he requests, or I guess he he like. Okay, let me start the sentence. He inspires over. the most creepy laugh. Would be what it's like. What he does is he uh um releases. No, I don't know. Uh, here, no, here we go. Momiji ejaculates the monster. <laughs> Die. Die. That was correct. <laughs> that was correct. I still hate it. I hate it so much. Well, I hated the laugh even more. It's scary. (laughs) If I was Toru, I would also scream foreigner at him (laughs) in fear of a white man attacking me, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) A white man. A white child. That's how I would describe Momiji. (laughs) Toru, I like how Toru has her little xenophobe moment. Xenophobe Toru confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> but she's a polite xenophobe. Like, she's not going to call you, she, like, the derogatory yeah. foreigner. She's going to yeah, say, she, like... <laughs> she calls him Gaigokujin, which is, like, the actual word for foreigner, and not Gaijin, which is, like, the derogatory term for foreigner. And she calls him Gaigokujin-san. Very polite. <laughs> she's, she's racist, but very she's polite, polite about it. xenophobe. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then Momiji is just like speaking German at her, and he's like, "Wow, it's Toru Honda." And Toru's like, ah. "Toru says uh, I don't speak English." Yeah, <laughs> you know they're Germanic languages, like close enough. Um, yeah, she really doesn't speak English. If he th- she thought that was English, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't blame her for being wigged out that this like strange child just kissed her on the face. Yeah, I too would weird. be like, um, sir, <laughs> young man. Yeah. And then Yuki rocks up. Um, I did a whole big paragraph about like one sigh that he lets out. <laughs> so there you go. Well. <laughs> oh, is that the one where she's like, what? Like, Toru so, says so something about says Kyo. She says, uh, she was like, oh, you come to pick me up. You and, and Kyo are both so kind. And he's, like, he, like, sighs and, like, kind of looks to the side. And then he's, like, let's go home. Yeah. To which Toru, no, he... Toru is, like... Because Toru was al- already thinking um, earlier that it seemed like something was bothering Yuki. Um, mm-hmm. And then that reaction, while very, like, repressed, I think, like, did definitely confirm that something was going on. Um, yeah. But, like, the reaction was interesting. Because it's, like, he doesn't... He doesn't like being compared to Kyo. Nope. Um, he doesn't think that he shares any of the po- uh, any of the positive qualities that he thinks Kyo has. Um, he also doesn't actually think that he's kind, and he says later, um, like he feels like he's like bribing people with kindness to be his friend. Um, and also, he can't fucking take a compliment. 
None, not all three of them. Nine, n- nine none of, of them. them. N- none of them can take a compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bad at it. It's this low self-esteem. Um, <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, but and then we do get truly another horror movie moment. Bipedal rat Yuki. <laughs> this is all Takaya's fault. The, if I saw a rat walking down the street on a two legs, <laughs> I would simply have to, I would my soul would leave my body. Did, <laughs> oh, rat pit. What? I'm. <laughs> I just remember the pit of New Rats in New York. Oh, oh, the rat sinkhole. Yeah, the rat sinkhole. Dude, that's just all of New York City. <laughs> that's not right. Um, but, <laughs> but that's yeah. also the, the Sugary's Kitchen. I think it's like, Takaya, why did you have him walk on his, like, hind legs? Like, that, no, I know. That's what, what I'm saying. That? Like, none of the other animals, like, like the, all of them walk like normal animals except for Yuki. Rats, like, rats can stand. I, like, me and Anna got in a very long conversation about this. Rats can stand on their hind legs, just like most animals can stand on their hind legs for some amount of time. But it's not comfortable, and they do it to, like, reach things, and then they, they're they not bipedal. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so, terrifying. And also, Toru must be having to walk so slow to keep up with him. Yeah. Just pick him up. <laughs> just pick him up. Hand. Put him He's on your three shoulder. He's tall. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't want to, like... I It, it might be, carry. like, I do wonder if he would be, like, too embarrassed to let her carry him. Like, the same, like, like Kia was like, don't carry me. Yeah. I, d- does he object to that at some point yeah. in the story? Yeah. She oh. wh- When he's, like, feeling bad in the rain, she's like, oh, well, I could hug you and carry you in my cat form, in your cat form. And he's like, no way, that's way too embarrassing. I'm yeah. glad I had that scene just ready to go. Primed. <laughs> yeah, I that would make sense. Is I I can imagine turning into a little rat and then being carried is like a little, and especially if Yuki has a complex about being emasculated. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> I can see how that would bother him. But yeah, um, stop walking on your hind legs, you little freak, weirdo. <laughs> Yuki. Yuki opens up quite a bit actually in this scene. I think I like forgot how honest he is with her here, yeah. and I was like, huh. Look at you go. Look at you, like, talk about your feelings. I mean, like, Toru is explicitly, like, you can tell me anything. Unburden yourself upon me. (laughs) I'm like, sis. Uh, This is a lot. Um, She's, like, very weird and intense. Like, the older I get, (laughs) the more I realize Toru is just, like, a freak. But it's, like, it works. Um, She's a freak, but she's, like, so genuine about it that it's, like, yeah. Like, she's just, like, worried about him. And, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I also made a note of like how much like that he does actually open up to her here. Yeah, he's just like I, you know, all the Yuki typical ain't stuff of being like I am lonely and anxious and I don't know how to interact with people and like people think I'm cool but like it doesn't really do me anything because I don't have any fucking friends <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, this sounds rough, King. Uh. <laughs> and then there is the, like, I, I I like this. It is kind of on the nose. Not kind of on the nose. It's very on the nose. When he's walking and talking about how he left the Soma estate, he goes to a co-ed school, but he's still cursed. 
therefore he's still trapped with the somas and as and of course the camera is like outside the bars of the fence of the like overpass that they're walking on mm-hmm. so like as he's talking about being caged it's like bars from a cage it's on the nose but honestly like i don't really mind it i think that it works well for what it is mm-hmm. it's better than like i don't know the fucking slash through space time right uh, yeah and that, that's the other thing is that i think i've like mentioned that like i i much prefer it when if they're gonna do something like a visual metaphor like that that they use things that are already part of the environment because it makes it feel a lot more natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's ways you can do on-the-nose visual metaphors without adding a weird slash through space-time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, wow, we really hate that scene. We'd big, it's we'd bad. Like, it keeps it's, coming back to us. It, it is, like, probably the worst visual metaphor in the reboot. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so, really it's, important. It's fucking ugly. Like, that's the other thing is that it's hideous. Yeah. There's everything is bad about it. Um anyway, we're not getting down that rabbit hole again. That's a, uh, that's in season two. Oh, and then this is where we see the repeated shot of Yuki's face in the window. Yes. And we already talked about that, but it's it's good. It's we good. like that. And it and I think it is like also kind of good if you think about like he's how he's talking about how like he's gotten out in some ways, but he's still trapped and inhibited by his own trauma. There is one more thing in this scene that I wanted to mention because I like noticed the wording this time. Is that Yuki says that Kyo wanting to join the Somas makes Yuki think that there's something wrong with himself and not Kyo. That there's something wrong with him that he doesn't want to be part of the Somas if Kyo wants to be part of the Somas. Which I thought was interesting because you would have thought that he would think that because he said it before, he's like, I don't understand why you want to join the Somas. Like, you would think that he would be like, it's Kyo's problem. Like, he's an idiot. But he yeah. thinks that, like, it, and it just does speak to, like, Yuki's pattern of blaming himself for his behavior. And thinking that, like, his coping mechani- his coping mechanisms and his lack of social skills are his own fault. As opposed to, like, um, a childhood, a childhood of isolation and abuse, which is what it actually is a result of. Um, yeah. but it, it, it's something, like, very, very early on that they, like, introduce us to this idea that, like, Yuki thinks that he is at fault for all of these things and that these things that he does are character flaws. Yeah. And I do think, actually, I'll come back to this, but this okay. idea that, like, the things that are wrong with him are just, like, intrinsic like in his dna there is like he was there's just something wrong with him fundamentally but yeah we'll right get back yeah then they go back home sugar is eating some kind of food what is he eating it looks good um i think it's uh i think it's tofu he's he's drinking sake which is cute um uh, and it's like tofu with like sauce on it it's cold well. it's good i had it when i was there <laughs> yeah so then they run to the secret base they run to the garden in the wet um and we get there's just like a lot happens in this episode yeah so many like intense these like i feel like things that i almost feel like should be in different episodes just because they feel like they both feel like whatever the 
the nice climactic monologue the, like the climactic monologue of an episode it's like mm. you get to the garden scene and you're like okay and this is like whatever the nice bow they put on this episode and then there's gonna be like a little throat like bit at the end and then we'll be the next episode but you have this like big shoujo monologue and yeah. then you like just go straight into the next shoujo monologue and you're like oh yeah I, okay I, I i agree with you i don't know where else they could have put the onigiri monologue but the garden feels like the the emotional climax of the episode but then they yeah. do it again there's like two emotional yeah. climaxes and they just like tack another one on they're like they were like oh wait kyo kyo also exists yeah <laughs> look kyo uh yeah which i think is like my yeah i don't know where else it could have gone but it was it's not great um, it's it's one of those things where like I think that like a lot of stuff in Fruits Basket works better as a manga, and I think that the Onigiri thing is definitely one of those things. Necessary evil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I like I like the garden scene. It's very shoujo. It's very there. You know, I thought the music was a little much. Um, I really don't like the soundtrack of season one. It's too much. It's, it's too just much. Like I was like, this is this is a little corny. And I think, yeah, I do think it's, like, the moment, I feel like when you read it, feels like this really quiet, sort of intimate moment, like, in the rain with these two teenagers who are, like, being really honest with each other. And, like, I feel like I've had, like, weird moments where it's, like, you know, it's kind of, like, a weird, for whatever reason, you're feeling a little extra honest and whatever, you're out in the rain and you're just, like, talking to someone and you get talking and all of a sudden you're, like, damn, like, I really said a lot here. And I feel like that's kind of the sense I got from this scene when I read it. But I feel like when you put this, like, swelling music on top of it, it suddenly becomes this, like, very sort of cheesy feeling thing instead of, like, this sort of, like, these are two kids in the rain reassuring each other. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. And I and I really don't like this scene. But it's because of exactly what you just said. It It feels too cheesy. I like the content of this scene a lot. I right. don't think it was well adapted. Yeah, agreed. Um, I like, I think the message is, I like, I really, again, coming back to this idea of, like, Yuki thinks that there, he was, he was born and there was just, there's just something wrong with him. In his DNA, it's like his personality, like, his personality traits are wrong. Um, and that's, like, the way he was raised, what he was told. Um is like he's he thinks of himself as like fixed in this state he doesn't think he doesn't understand he's a dynamic person meanwhile toru was raised with this belief that like you're born basically yeah with some basic desires but where you grow from that is a combination of like the things that influence you and your own decisions um in this idea that like you're not fundamentally a selfish person or fundamentally a kind person, it's a choice you have to make um, and something you have to work on and something you can develop. Uh, and every and what kindness looks like is different for everyone based on the unique combination of things they experience and do. And which I think is really eye-opening to Yuki where he's like, oh, I, I'm not, it's like, it's not just like something that's like a switch that gets turned on or off when you're created. Um, and I think that's like a central sort of this idea of like every you're capable of change, that you're not a fixed person is a very important sort of running theme in Fruits Basket. And I think this is 
a good moment that kind of codifies that early in the story. I, I, I agree, totally. And I also think it's uh, very... Like, if if the, like, big major theme of season two is change, I feel like the big major theme of season one is, like, choice and, like, mm-hmm. choosing that. And, like, this scene really, like, encapsulates that. Yeah. 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 And it's also, like, it's a moment where it's, like, Yuki's, like, I think even though people, like, I'm not mean or whatever, I think I'm corrupted by selfish motivations. And I think, even though Tora doesn't exactly say this, um, I think it's like, your actions are ultimately what's going to impact people, not your thoughts. Mm. Uh, And so even though Yuki feels like, whatever, I'm giving, it's like giving candy out to people so they'll be friends with me, it's like, you're still doing something nice that makes people happy. Like, it doesn't change, like, just because you feel like you feel selfish for doing it doesn't mean that the impact you're having on people isn't positive right um, which i think is also like i think actions speed speaking louder than intentions is like something true of fruits basket and mm. it's like and i think you see that sort of and you see that like explored in weird ways with characters like shigure right. where it's like he has weird aim like sort of can be like ill intentions sometimes or just like gray ones and he does this weird hybrid of like he's doing something nice for someone and it does genuinely help them and he's doing this for this weird combination of like i actually don't wish ill on this random person but i'm also manipulating them for a specific goal which i think is fun alternatively on the like opposite end is hotary like his intentions are kind, but his actions do nothing. Yeah. You know. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Shigure ultimately does a lot more to help mm-hmm. Yuki and Kyo than Hattori ever does, even though Shigure is kind of, you know, pulling strings and treating them a little bit like pawn pieces. Right. But Shigure is still ultimately going to the one that got Yuki out of a really abusive situation and Mm -hmm. put Kyo in this kind of environment where he's not just, like, self-destructively training out in the mountains, but, like, learning how to connect with people. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Actions speak louder than words. It be Uh, a scene. (laughs) And then, so then after she gives him this speech about how um, his kindness is real and everyone's kindness is unique, and like I she's like I really like that about you she's like I like that your kindness is like a candle or whatever in response to like what he had just told her as they were walking home and I thought that this line was really interesting he replies and he says oh I'm ashamed boys shouldn't complain um (laughs) that's his reaction to that speech which one I would not be surprised whatsoever if he was repeating something that someone had said to him. Probably his mother. It kind of sounds like his mother. Um, yeah. And it is an interesting, like, like Yuki has gender issues. <laughs> so he, really he has gender does. issues. Yuki. Okay. So like. Yuki, I think, ha- his idea of manhood does reflect, like, this this very, like, sexist idea that women are emotional and men are not. Um, mm-hmm. It's very cisnormative, um, and it is very sexist. Um, he's 16. 
<laughs> um, and I think, like, Toru, like, receives and processes his emotions in a really, like, genuine and meaningful way. And I think that it makes him feel very emasculated. Um, because Toru can see that he has feelings now. And the fact that someone else knows that he has feelings does not fit his idea of masculinity. And he is very ashamed that he doesn't fit this ideal of masculinity in both his behavior and also this is not discussed as much like in this episode but in his appearance um and then it also speaks to the fact that like yuki has never been met with anything other than like at the very least disregard and then in the most extreme cases actual punishment when he showed emotion in the past and like it he might be trying to like reflexively downplay his emotions um just as a reaction to his past trauma. So that was a line that I thought was really interesting that I hadn't, like, taken a lot of note of before. Um, but it, it, yeah. is, uh, it speaks a lot to his, like, issues with gender and, yeah. I think you are on the nose with all of that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, Yuki. Oh, Yuki. He wants so bad to be mask for mask. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wants to be mask for femme. And by femme, I, wants... mean, I mean woman. <laughs> he wants to be a masculine straight man. He's he not. just ain't. He just is not. <laughs> uh, oh, Yuki. But um... then I love that Toru is immediately like, I'm glad that you confided in me. And I don't think it's something that she did consciously. Like, she is like, she can tell that he's struggling. And she's like, I'm glad that you told me that. And you shouldn't feel ashamed. I really, I, I love Also, Toru. I think on, like, an internal Toru level, like, if people, if she can tell people are upset, but can't reach out, like, they're not being, re reaching out to her at all, and she can't do anything, I think being unable to help her really stresses them out, stresses True. her out. So yeah. I think, like, she feels, on a personal level, genuinely relieved that he, like, opened up to her, because she's yeah. like, oh, I actually was able to, like, help, thank god. I can't, I don't want to just watch him suffer and feel powerless. Because um, I think being in that kind of situation freaks Toru out. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then after, like, after she, like, validates him again, then he does actually confide in her again and says that he was anxious uh, about the card game. Yeah, that, that he, like, that she did actually, like, make a mark, dif like, make a big difference here. And that he does feel like he can confide in her. Yeah. I love them. I love them. <laughs> friendship of the ages truly they're, they're so good for each other they yeah. love each other so much uh yuki don't harvest chives or uh, so alliums <laughs> <laughs> um this the word so uh they, they they in the sub they switch back and forth between calling these things chives and leeks Sophie says that the word Toru says out loud translates to leak if you put it through, like, Google Translate or whatever you did. No, it wasn't Google. Um, it was, like, an actual, like, Japanese to English dictionary specifically. Oh. And I, like, yeah, wrote but... down the word that she said out loud, and it says leaks. And only leak. There was, like, no other definition. And the kanji kind of looks like a leak. <laughs> but then, the like, the what the drawing is is it looks like, um, they look like garlic chives to me. Which I think are also sometimes called Chinese chives. Um, 
but we call them garlic chives, I think, in America. I don't know. We have them in our yard. Um, they taste kind of garlicky. <laughs> but if it's a leek, he would be harvesting that, right? But it's not a fucking leek. They're definitely, at least what they drew was chives. They look like the chives you that don't... grew in, like, my front yard. You don't pull them out of the fucking dirt. Like, you, you just like, pick them, take right? some fucking, yeah, you use, like, some scissors or whatever, and you can, like, chop, and then more grow, and then you have, like, infinite chives. Yuki, do um, you know how to freaking garden? Jesus. I know. <laughs> um, come on, you have one hobby, you sad little man. <laughs> you do it one right. Hobby. <laughs> you, you're one allotted fruits basket hobby, and you can't even do it right yeah um anyway i'll stop roasting him and his weird gardening practices but why are you pulling you you don't have to do that yeah he smile very all backlit and it's like oh it's like the first time we see him smile which is just exciting and it's like you know it's like this is probably one of the first times he's been able to be emotionally open with someone ever like this and Mm -hmm. he's able to like he was able to express his, like, negative emotions, and now it's, like, also easier to express his equally repressed positive emotions. Right. Uh, it's good. This scene is, like, like, I know I said I didn't like this scene. I do like the function of the scene. It's, like, I I don't like how it's adapted, but I still like all the things that happen in it. Yeah. And, um... Narratively, it's good. Like, and I like that he, like, does decide here to... He decides that he's going to try and interact with people... And that is a huge step for Yuki, and I definitely think it's, like, the first step for him. Um, It's not Mm -hmm. as, like, conscious as in the beginning of season two when he decides he very much is like, I am going to open the lid. It's not as conscious as that, but this is a huge step for him. Yeah. Look at him go. Look at our brave little rat. Oh, little Uh, rat boy. Go, little rat boy, go. Yeah. And then, um... Rice balls. A very small acting note. Uh, Kyo, like, walks through the door, and he, like, he's... I don't remember what he says. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Um, and his voice breaks. So, I just, like, thought it <laughs> was, like, a very cute detail. I love Uchida. He's great. Uh, King. Yeah, I... I love the rice ball thing. I do think right on top of the garden thing, it's just, like, kind of whiplashy. Yeah. Um... I think it's cute that Kyo knows how to make rice balls, and I think it's cute that Toru is like, wow! You a competent could. I like. I like... I think that, like, Toru's weirdness kind of, like, stands out a little more when she interacts with Kyo, because while Yuki is just, like, just vibes with whatever weird bullshit Toru's saying, like, Toru says something whack, and Yuki's like, no, I totally get it. I'm weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> when she says, like, weird, because Toru's, like, half in her own head, like, playing movies about her fucking dramatic thoughts, and then she, like, jumps out, and she's like, you're like, if you, if people train to make rice balls, I bet everyone would be really impressed with you in the rice ball training zone. And he's like, <laughs> what are you saying? saying it's it's funny because i feel like kyo's like personality is pretty eccentric and because yuki is so like repressed and like reserved he doesn't seem that eccentric but he is very weird and kyo is honestly like pretty normal (laughs) yeah like like by soma standards kyo is very normy um yeah but even by teenage boy standards to be honest i think he's pretty normy he's he's like a jock i don't know yeah (laughs) 
He's just a dumb jock really... who happens to have a lot of trauma, but in his heart, he's a dumb jock. Yeah. I say that with love, um, by the way. <laughs> he's also a grumpy old man. That is also true. He there, there, there is a duality there between dumb jock <laughs> and grumpy old man. Kiyosoma, um, um <laughs> Richard can't see the third. <laughs> Richard, he's on the he's on the rowing team or whatever. I know, but Kyo would never hunt for a dead Welsh king. Like I'm just saying, they're both they're both dumb jocks with. Well, maybe Kansi's not a dumb jock, but they're both jocks with a lot of trauma. And they're jocks old men, and they have trauma. Okay, I guess. <laughs> I'm reaching here. You are. That's that's a reach. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Then we launch into this, like, Toru's like, wow, he can't even see the good qualities about himself. Because that's been another theme this episode, is, like, they all have tunnel vision for their own negative qualities and everyone else's good qualities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Toru's like, time to turn this into a metaphor about rice balls. Um, and then we get this, like, stylistic thing in her, like, in the visual storytelling where it's, like, this, like, on this, bla- like, this, like, flickering, like, drawing thing. And I'm like, I forgot this happened. I think I it's like cool. it. yeah. It never happens again. Um, <laughs> but it's cool. Yeah, it, it's cool and it's, like, interesting and experimental, but it's not, like, jarring or anything like that. I, I liked it. No. I thought it worked. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do, they do more, they get a little weirder when they're, like, recounting stories. I think, like, in the beginning, yeah. we had, like, the watercolor style for the Zodiac story, and here we have this, like, fun, flickery thingy, yeah. and then later on, I think for the, I think we get watercolory again for the Foolish Traveler, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and this is, like, I, I, I've always remembered this metaphor. It sticks in the back of my head. It's, like, very memorable. Yeah, me too. It's, um, where it's, like, everyone, it's easier to see the good things about other people than it is to see the good things about yourself, which is true. Um, yeah. I think another, I think stuff like this thematically is very, like, aimed at a younger audience than stuff in the later season is. Yeah. Like, this is, like, oh, like, everyone's kindness is a different shape and you should like you know strive to do good actions regardless of whether or not you think you're like intrinsically a good person i guess and then it's like you know even if you feel like you're not cool or feel like you're not worthy of the same like praise other people are you probably have good traits too you just harder to see it in yourself than it is in the other people around you um which i think is something kind of thematically geared at like younger people like with low self-esteem for uh, sure. Because I don't think any 13-year-olds have high self-esteem. I don't think it grows in yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's cute. It's sweet. It's very shoujo. It's very It's memorable. very shoujo. Um, it's definitely one of big, Fruits Basket's biggest shoujo crimes is this analogy. <laughs> but at I the like very it. least, like, I, I do like... Um, I've always empathized with Kyo in this scene because she goes on this whole long ass rant and he is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> because Kyo is a shonen boy in a shoujo manga. <laughs> yeah. Um, she needs to be like impassionately speaking about hard work and never giving up and then he'll get it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what he would process. She, yeah. Here she's like, 
everyone has good quality. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I thought this was cute. And it's also a cute little moment for Kyo where you're still, he's still got that, like, reflexive, like, what? No, that's stupid. And then, like, there's a beat and he thinks about what he said a little bit and then he's like, you also are good. You also have plum. And this is another thing, too, with, like, the beginning of Fruits Basket and being very shoujo, that it does get pretty tropey sometimes. It's very tsundere. Very the whole, tsundere. like, him, like, stuttering it out through, like, being, like, his, like, face is all red and he's like, you also have a plum on your back. Like, it, yeah, it's very tropey, but it's yeah. cute. It, it works for him. It's cute. And it's it works because he's, like, it's very, like, 15-year-old, 16-year-old yeah. boy. Like, you know, it's good. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong whole with the bit. analogy. It, it's not to my taste, but it's it's definitely yeah. cute, and it works for what it is. And it's, it's like, you can't, it, Fruits Basket wouldn't be Fruits Basket without it. Yeah, agree completely, yeah. It's very iconic. Oh, I do, I do make a note where <laughs> Yuki walks in, and he's like, did you go to bed last night? And Toru's like, no, I was too wired from the joy of friendship. <laughs> I'm like, sis, do you have insomnia? Because, like... I bet Toru, like, low-key, like, if she keeps that house, like, spick and span, I bet she's, like, regularly, like, cle- deep cleans the kitchen at, like, 2 a.m. Because we know that she has nightmares. Yeah. And, like, I bet there's a bunch of things that never- I would- I don't know. In my personal headcanon, I guess, Toru probably does have insomnia and probably does do shit like this all the time. Um, and everyone is just like, no, it's fine, it's just Toru. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I did forget that Yuki does try to murder Kyo at the end of this episode. <laughs> the attempted He's strangulation. <laughs> well, he can't even breathe. He cats are, like, you can't, cats can't eat alliums. Stop feeding him alliums. Cats can't eat. Yuki trying to murder Kyo with a with a food that his animal is allergic to. Toru trying <laughs> to murder Shigure with a food that his animal is allergic to. <laughs> um. Listeners at home, Sophie is making the handshake emoji with her hands. <laughs> I'm trying to say a Twitter meme, like, out loud. Yeah, and it's not translating super well for the um, podcast medium, so I'm here to be your uh, sort of translator. You're, yeah. Um, I'm a hero. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, but yeah. That's that's the end. Yeah, Kago rings the doorbell and then the episode ends. I have nothing to say about that. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that next Neither week. Neither do I. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Tumblr at SomaSoGood. If there's anything you want to ask us or anything you want us to discuss, just hit us up on social media. Thanks and see you next time.